I wish I got that inspired in going to the dump, but I, I don't, no. <laughs> I just think I'm going to get rid of this trash as fast as I can. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, um, I did have an interesting experience uh, Saturday morning as I was on the way to the dump. I think about it. I came to the church um, early, uh, and I grabbed the, the, the trash in my office to, to, to take it over there. And I, I was in here about five minutes, about 8 o'clock this, that morning, and then I was coming out, and there was a car that had stopped in the parking lot. I didn't recognize the car. I didn't recognize the person. And um, so I walked out there, and I could see it was a young man, and he looked like he was crying. And uh, he, I think when he saw me, he kind of put his car back into reverse and started backing out, and I said, can I, can I help you? He had his window and the passenger side down, and, and, uh, and I walked over the window, and he said, I'm, I'm okay, but he was crying. And wiping his eyes. and So I just stood there and waited for him to finish. And um, fortunately, he didn't drive away. And uh, I said, can I pray for you about something? And uh, he composed himself and, and told me that he was going down to Virginia to say goodbye to his mom. She was dying. And uh, she had five tumors in her brain. And, um, and so I, I, I asked him a few questions, found out she's a believer. And uh, so I... I prayed for him, and uh, he just thanked me three times. He said, thank, thank you for, for praying for me, and God bless you. And um, You know, I asked you last week to pray for me, right, for more opportunities. And uh, God directly answered that prayer, though that was a, a, a Christian. Um, but uh, just something, you know, to just praise God for opportunities that we don't even look for, but just he, he drops in our lap. And, and here he gave you a song that you could bless us with. And uh, so thank you, Jay. Um, well, let me pray. I'm going to pray for the boxes that are here <clears throat> as well as our time together. There are, uh, I, I think I saw a note, there are, I think, 25 more boxes that, that uh, someone in the church had put together, but uh, they left them at another place because it was more convenient to do that at that moment. So imagine 25 more boxes sitting here, and we're going to pray that God would take every one of these boxes and bring them to, to a child that needs not only to be encouraged by what's inside the box, but also to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, we want to thank you. Thank you for these boxes and the, the gifts that are inside each one. Each one of these boxes is uniquely packed and has unique gifts. And they will go to an individual person. You already know who that person is. And God, I pray that you will orchestrate in such a way that, that what is exactly needed and desired will be in that box for that child. So that that child will know that there's a God in heaven who cares about them, specifically and individually. And that they, when they hear the gospel of Jesus presented to them, they will embrace that good news with great joy. Because you have used a simple gift to point them to you. Thank you that we have the privilege to be part of that transaction. And Lord, though it's a, a very little thing for us to do this, it can have eternal ramifications. And Lord, I thank you for every person that participated 
either in preparing a box or putting a check in the, in the offering to pay for the shipping. For everyone that is praying, God, I pray and thank you for this opportunity and privilege. And would you work in a mighty way through these? Lord, we want to thank you for our time today to gather. Thank you for the encouragement we've already received. The songs that we have sung, the scripture that was read through the, the song that Jay sang for us. We ask that you would use your word this morning to build us up, to give us perspective, to point us to Jesus, to remind us of our hope. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> Edward Kimball is probably not known to you. He lived over a hundred years ago. He was a Sunday school teacher in Boston where a young teenage boy joined his class. The young man was a country boy and didn't know the ways of the city nor of the church. But he came to the, the Sunday school class nonetheless. When he first came to class, Mr. Kimball handed him a Bible. But when he asked his class to turn to the Gospel of John, this country boy didn't know where the Gospel of John was. He recognized what was happening, and so he immediately picked up the Bible, found the Gospel of John, and handed it back to him as the other boys kind of snickered. Then when he asked the boys to read, he found that this, this old country boy had a hard time reading the text. But Kimball didn't give up on him. He saw the possibilities in this young boy. And so he worked with him. And after several months, he went down to the store where this boy was working, went into the back room where he was stacking boxes, and led him to Jesus Christ. And that was the beginning of a new life for Dwight L. Moody. One of the most well-known evangelists in, our, in the past 100, 200 years. You didn't know Edward Kimball, an obscure Sunday school teacher whose sacrifice and service impacted just a few young men, one of whom became very well-known and continues even to this day through the organizations he started and the, the college named after him and these things continues to this day to impact lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Behind every well-known and recognized servant of Christ is a not-so-well-known, unrecognized servant of Christ whose work is just as important. And whether a person is well-known or not so well-known, what is most important is the perspective they bring to the table that will help keep them on track for God. How do we see what we do and how will we see it fitting in to what God is doing? In our text this morning, in Philippians 2, just two verses this morning we're going to look at. That may or may not mean it's a short message. But in two verses, 
we find the Apostle Paul giving us perspective in ministry. I remember several years ago as I was working through the book of Philippians and memorizing uh, different portions of the book of Philippians, I found myself meditating on these two verses. And God, it was like God was saying, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about what this means for you and for how you live and how you serve and the perspective in which you go about serving me. And so I want to share with you what God showed me from these verses. Paul writes, but even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. And you too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Always when you see the word but, of course you, you look and say, no, that's connecting, right? That's, that's uh, showing a contrast of some kind. It's connecting what has been said before. And I think what he's connecting it to is all the way back in chapter 1 when he, when he talks about the, uh, the, the fact that he's, he's in prison and he doesn't know whether he's going to get out or not, but he contemplates that reality and says, yeah, for me, to go on and be with the Lord is better But for, for me, but to stay and remain and to continue in a fruitful ministry is better for you. And convinced of this, he says, I'm, I feel as if I'm going to stay a little longer. And so he goes on to talk about that, and he says, now I want you... Uh, to do your part, I'm, if I'm going to stay around and do my part, and I know God's going to do His part, you need to do yours. So conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. And he goes on to talk about that and, and different things into chapter 2. And then he comes to this, but even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering, and I think he's coming back to that issue and he's saying, I think I'm going to remain for a while, but if I don't, and if this is the end, and if I'm being poured out now as a drink offering, I rejoice in that. So I found myself pondering this and thinking, what is a drink offering? What is that all about? Because what I see Paul doing here is he's giving us a perspective. A perspective not only on what it looks like to minister to others, but what it looks like to be ministered to by others. And I thought, what is this drink offering about? A drink offering in the Old Testament was a secondary offering. It was not one of the main offerings. There were five main offerings that God instituted for the nation of Israel. There is the, um, there's the burnt offering. There is the meal or grain offering. There is the peace offering, and there were different kinds of peace offerings. There is the, the sin offering and the trespass offering or guilt offering. There's five main offerings. I'm, I'm looking and I'm saying, what, what's a drink offering? I don't remember that being even talked about. And what I found was that the drink offering was a secondary offering that was used in conjunction with some of the main offerings to enhance 
the offering. And it was used for the first three, which were called sweet savor aroma offerings. The other two, the sin and the guilt or the trespass offerings, were non-sweet savor uh, because they were offered because of sin. The burnt offering, the grain offering, the peace offering were offerings of worship, of praise, of thanksgiving to God. And there was this wine that was poured out either on the offering or around the altar that caused this sweet aroma to rise up as the offering was lifted up. A drink offering was a secondary offering intended to enhance the main offering. And so what Paul is saying is, if my life becomes nothing more than a secondary offering that will enhance the offering of your life, the service that you bring to God, I will rejoice in that reality. And I thought, you know, what a what an incredible perspective we ought to have as we serve the Lord. Because Paul is saying, it's not about me. It's not what I, about what I do. And here is the great Apostle Paul, the one who was sent to the Gentiles to, 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 build, uh, to start church after church and place after place after place. And he says, it's never about me. It's about me helping you become all that God wants you to be. What an incredible perspective we need to have. So our perspective when, minister, when we minister to others, two things from verse 17. One, we should, we should see our ministry as enhancing others. We should see that all that we do is not about us, it's not about us getting credit. It's not about us looking better. It's not about us being thought of well. It's about what we can give away to help somebody else become all that God intends for them to be. A secondary offering. Not in the sense that it's less important, but in the sense that it is part of something bigger. Just as the drink offering was part of something bigger. But it wasn't the main thing emphasized. We should see our ministry as enhancing other people. God wants to use us for something bigger than ourselves. Something bigger than we can be. What we do when we serve other people, is we help other people grow up in their faith. We help other people become more like Christ. We help other people become what God intends for them to become. It's, in some ways, it's, it's a parental mentality, right? As parents, right? We pour ourselves out. We sacrifice. We give and we give and we give so that our kids can become all that they ought to become. So they can grow up and flourish out there. Ultimately for God and for His glory. We don't need 
for our kids to come back now that they're adults and come back and say, man, you guys were wonderful parents. Thank you for all the things you did. We don't need that. It's nice when they get it. <laughs> but we don't, we're not looking for that. right? We don't do that. When, we're, when, we're, when they're little and we're pouring it out and we're doing all this, we're not thinking one day it's all going to come back to me and so that's why I'm doing it. No, we're doing it because we love our children because we want them to have every opportunity to be healthy emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, every way. We want them to be all that God intends for them to be and to make an impact in the world for His glory. We're pouring ourselves out. right? And when they're little, it feels like it's never-ending. One day you wake up and they're all, all grown up and out of the house. And then you look and say, well, it doesn't seem like it was that that long. This is the way it is. We are called to pour ourselves out, to, to keep giving, to keep giving. God, we go to God for replenishment because we can't give what we don't have, and so we keep going to God. And this is why it's so critical that we have a, a deep and abiding relationship with Jesus in which He's pouring into us, uh, and then we can pour that out to others so that our lives, our service, our ministry, whatever that is, is enhancing other people's lives and faith. And Paul says, in this I rejoice. I rejoice and share my joy with you. And so we should rejoice in this perspective because it's never about us. It's always about what God wants to do. And when we can keep that perspective, then we're no longer looking around and seeing all the things that God does in everybody else's life and we are looking and saying, well, I wish I could do that. I wish I, wish I was able to, to serve in that way. I wish I had that gift. I wish God would use me this way. Instead, we're looking at what God wants to do. We're focused on Him. We're, we're giving ourselves away and, uh, and letting the results in God's hands. That was a huge shift in my mind and helped me. Uh, when I began to to process this and to think, okay, God, this is what you want from me. And to be honest with you, it took me a little bit of time to get to the point where I was willing to yield to that. Um, but this is the perspective, and it's a challenge continually for us to keep working at this. But we should rejoice in this perspective. When we see God working, and that God would choose to use us to do something for somebody else. It helps us to serve with joy. There will always be opportunities for us to look and say, is this even making a difference? Am I wasting my time? Uh, that person doesn't seem to be to even care that, that I've done that in their life. That person doesn't seem to be grateful. That person doesn't seem to be changing. And so, am I wasting my time? Am I wasting my energy? Am I wasting my prayers? Am I wasting my breath? Are you, if you're doing it for Christ, you're not wasting anything. It's certainly nice to know that something we're doing is, is affecting people in a positive way, but we can rejoice because we know who the Lord is and we know what He's doing. And so there is great joy in that, regardless of whether or not we see the effects of what we do immediately.
So this is our perspective when we minister to others. We're enhancing others. We're a drink offering. We're a secondary. We're, we're enhancing what God is doing in other people's lives. And then, what is our perspective when others minister to us? Now, to be honest with you, for most of us, this is the harder one, right? It's hard to let somebody else serve us. Especially if we're used to helping others. And we get, we get the, the blessing when we serve others, when we give away. There's a blessing that comes with that. But it's harder to let somebody else bless us or be, get a blessing by serving us. <clears throat> it's harder, and that's probably why Paul uses stronger language. Because when he says, and you too, and that I urge you, and that's, that's actually uh, not in the text, but that's, that's kind of there to show the emphasis. The word rejoice in the same manner is actually in a, in a command. It's an imperative there, whereas earlier it wasn't. And so he's saying, and for you, I, I want you to really understand that you should rejoice in the same way when you are being ministered to. As I'm pouring myself out as a drink offering, I want you to rejoice in that. So our perspective, when others minister to us, we should rejoice in what God is doing. Paul says rejoice in the same manner. Same manner as what? Same manner as he's rejoicing. He's rejoicing because God is using him. So we should rejoice because God is using someone else in our life. <laughs> That's sometimes hard for us. Maybe for different reasons. Maybe one is, again, we can be a little bit... Uh, Jealous that God's using somebody else and He doesn't seem to be using us? Or He's using them in a way that He does not use us? But oftentimes, I think the problem is that we have a hard time receiving somebody else's ministry to us because we've got some pride in our heart. And we don't like to appear needy. We don't like... We have, we have well, maybe what we can call American pride in that... We are very independent people. I'm not talking about being uh, proud to be part of, of the country, but, but the mentality that we have in this country because we are very affluent, we are very self-sufficient. We're very independent. And so we bring that into uh, our, our walk as Christians. And so we don't want to ever have to have anybody do anything for us because it's, 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 it's kind of humbling to admit that I have needs that I can't meet on my own. I can't get met. Somebody, I have to be dependent on somebody else. God created us to be relational and to be in relationships. A relationship in which we are needed and we need. So we should rejoice that God is at work in somebody else and that ministry has an impact in our life. And then he says, and share your joy with me. We should share our joy with others. Letting others know 
I've seen probably one of the greatest things that has, that has caused many people to walk away from full-time ministry, whether that's in the pastorate, in, as missionaries, or whatever, is discouragement. Because they cannot see anything that they're doing as in, having any impact positively. And in the few cases where I have been able to see from a distance or from a little different perspective, I can see that what they have been doing has had an impact. But they can't see it. And, and maybe because they're not getting the response from the people they minister to, they get discouraged. And they get nearsighted. And they want to quit. I understand that. Right? As many of you know, whenever I resigned from Greencastle Bible Church, I begged God, take me out of ministry. I want, I, I want to do, I'll do anything. And then he put me on a road holding a road sign. And it was not long before I was begging him to get back in. Right? Because that's what he called me to. That's what he designed me to do. That's what he has, has gifted me for. Um, nothing wrong with other work and that work necessarily. But for me, that was not what I was called to. But I needed perspective. I needed to be reminded who God is and what God has called me to and what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and who I'm doing it for and all of those things that this was a help in. Now we need to be careful that we give God the glory that we don't puff up other people's nothingness, right? But it's important that we share the joy with those that minister to us. And as I've shared with you many times in October's past, I am incredibly blessed by the, the, the way in which you express your appreciation to Valerie and I. I've gotten to the point where I don't share with other pastors because that gets discouraging to them. Because some of them never even get a mention. No, some of them don't even get one note of encouragement, not one phone call, not one time where someone comes and says, man, I appreciate what you do. They know Pastor Appreciation Month is October. And in some ways, that sets them up for greater disappointment, right? Because then you, you're like, okay, I hear it on the radio, I, I see it online, I know all this stuff, and then I'm, I'm sitting, you're sitting there waiting and waiting, and not one person ever says, I appreciate what you do, Pastor. That's even more discouraging. So I'm embarrassed, if you will, to share with them because I'm so overwhelmed by the, the way you express. And so, I know I'm preaching to the choir when I say, say this, we need to share our joy with others. But maybe, maybe you can help other people in other congregations by encouraging them to make sure that they let those that minister to them know what, that you appreciate what they do. And you know, for me, and I know some of you, we, we, we've talked about this, when you, when the, the greatest joy 
that we get in ministering to people is not necessarily um, the, the words of, of affirmation or the, even the gifts. It's when you see God working in someone else's life. And you know that God worked through you a little bit in that. Because you had a relationship. Because you had the opportunity to be in their life. There's nothing that, that, that produces more joy than to see it. To see transformation happening in someone's life that you have spent time with. That's so encouraging. More so than anything else. And I'll put a shameless plug in for Wednesday night. Thanksgiving service we're going to have. Most of our time is going to be spent sharing testimonies. You sharing things that God has done in your life. Things that God has given you opportunity to do. Things that you're thankful for. See, by sharing it, you're sharing the joy. And everybody gets to be, be blessed and rejoice with you. And we see what God is doing. It's not a time to, to talk about other people and what they've done for you. It's a time to give thanks to God. And to give glory to God. And when we hear that, and you know when you hear testimonies of, of God's faithfulness in each other's lives, how it brings joy in our own life. And so I encourage you to come on out to, to think about something you would want to share. I'm not going to call on you by name and say, Are you, you, will you share something? Um, most likely won't. No. Um, so come on out and uh, uh, hear the blessing and the way God has worked and, uh, and, and ask the Lord to give you something you want to share as well. So, we minister and we're ministered to. When we serve people, when we minister to people, our perspective should be, I am here to pour myself out so that others can be blessed and others built up and others become more of what God is calling them to be. When, I'm, when I receive ministry, when I am ministered to, I want to receive it. I want to rejoice in the Lord and what He's doing. I want to express gratitude to those who have encouraged, who have helped me. I want to share that joy with them. Let me, let me end by sharing this story. <clears throat> this is a woman who uh, is a self confessed garage sale, sale junkie. Okay. She share, shares how she was consumed by disappointment over a lost bargain until God changed her tune. She writes this, I parked in front of a house that was holding the inside moving sale. The front door was open as if urging me, come on in and buy my treasures. 
As I wandered through the house searching for hidden gems, I found a case under a, a pile of old bedspreads in the back bedroom, and inside was a shiny saxophone, beautifully engraved with a figure of a woman on it. It was vintage, pristine condition, and it was mine for only $20. Unfamiliar with the going rate for instruments, I called my husband to do a quick eBay search. No way could I afford to end up with another white elephant to store in my shed. It was crowded enough. I heard my husband Rick's fingers tapping and then silence. There aren't any listed, he said. That's odd. It seemed to me that someone out there should have at least one saxophone for sale. I said, are you sure? He said, I don't see one. So I did the call, worried that I was $20 poorer and the proud owner of a shiny saxophone that might not sell. I didn't know much about musical instruments. All I could play was the radio. As I was leaving, an elderly man stopped me. Can I buy that saxophone from you? He asked, hopefully. I'll give you $20 more than you paid. I was thrilled. I'd only recoup my $20, but I'd made 20 on top of it within minutes of my purchase. I viewed it as God's unexpected blessing and provision. Well, later that day, I sat at my computer, pulled up the eBay homepage, and entered the type of saxophone I'd owned for less than five minutes. To my horror, three exact matches popped up, all selling for over $500. Rick, I yelled, pointing at the screen. Look. He wrinkled his nose. Oh. You see, there were... You see, you said there weren't any saxophones listed. I felt weak, and I was losing consciousness, you see. That's weird. When I looked before, there weren't any. Suddenly, I realized the problem. Rick hadn't gone to the eBay homepage. He'd gone to my seller's page. And of course, I wasn't selling any saxophones. I didn't have any before now. So... She began to think that uh, she got gypped, right? Someone had snatched her money right out of her pocket, and uh, she let it happen, she says. And she says, I was done, finished. No chance for a do-over, yet I, could, I couldn't let it go. Late at night, I sat sleepless, angry with myself for harboring ill feelings. My brain kept replaying the moment I sold the sacks, while a bitter little voice was whispering that that old man had probably pawned it and made uh, hundreds of dollars on my mistake. I felt envious, consumed by greed and guilty. God was revealing a side of me I had not known existed. So I opened the Bible to Galatians 6. Let us not become weary in well-doing. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And then I turned in my concordance and I looked up verses on praising God. I made note cards of verses. I, I meditated on verses like give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. And I was amazed at how God was changing my mind and my heart, giving me happiness. I was set free. And once more my life became enjoyable. I even let Rick off the hook and his life became enjoyable. A few months later I was perusing a garage sale, and I spied my sax buyer hunched over a box, sifting through old sheet music, and feeling the old twinge of regret, I pretended not to see him. But he recognized me, cheerfully called out, Hello there, have you found any treasures today? No, I said. 
And as I turned to walk away, he caught my hold of my arm. I want you to know that because of your spontaneous generosity, I rekindled my old passion for the saxophone. Being retired, I now volunteer my time to teach kids how to play. He wiggled his fingers over the keys of an invisible sax. It was then that I noticed his frailty, his worn clothing, and his scuffed up shoes. And suddenly I understood. I thought he had stolen my blessing, when in fact, he was my blessing. God's provision is for all of us. And I was blessed to have received it twice in the most unusual place. We need to check our attitude and our perspective in all of life, in all the opportunities that God gives us. Whether it's planned times where we get to serve someone else or do something for someone else or unexpected and unplanned opportunities that come our way. We need to keep our perspective. I live in this place to serve the God of the universe. And every opportunity He gives me, every situation I'm in, every circumstance that comes my way may be an opportunity for me to be used, to pour out to someone else, to be a blessing. And when I do that, when you do that, there's a blessing God gives us. And if we can keep that perspective. We don't have to have all that wrestling that, that she had. We just keep rejoicing in the Lord. And when we have the, the opportunity to have someone else serve us, minister to us, we count it a blessing to have been blessed. We give thanks and we give glory to God and we rejoice in Him. And man, if we kept that perspective, We would be people filled with joy each and every day. Others would see that joy in us. And they would know there's something different about these people. Something they have that I don't have. What is it? And then we have the opportunity to share the good news that Jesus Christ came to this place change our lives, to save us from our sin and the consequences of it, and to do a transforming work and to make us, over time, into the likeness of Jesus. And we're all on this journey together. What a joy and a privilege it is for us to be God's servants if we keep this perspective. Let's pray. Our Father, we do thank You. Lord, I thank You that in, in two verses, that oftentimes we could just read it over and not even, not even take a moment to think about. There's perspective. There's help for us to keep our minds and our hearts in the right place as we journey. God, that we would be so privileged that our lives would be a drink offering on the service and sacrifice of someone else's faith. That when we get 
home one day. And we are able to see, as you reveal to us, the many opportunities, the many seemingly non-events that we were able to walk into and be a blessing because we had this perspective. And we'll be able to experience even greater joy in that than we could experience it here. God, would you do this work in us? Lord, I think about all these boxes. It's just a perfect example of this. We have no idea what you will do with these. And it's very possible, very probable that when we get to glory, we will meet the child, the children who received these boxes. And we'll get to once again rejoice in the goodness of God that He would give us the privilege to be part even a small part in what He's doing. Oh, Lord, help us to keep this perspective. Well, thank You. We ask that You might give us opportunity this day and this week to pour ourselves out for someone else's sake, for the glory of Your name, for the building of Your kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.